Today is Monday, December 6th, 2021, time for episode 161 of the Barnhart Podcast. I wish I could be happy and jolly and jovial, and, and um, well, I, I guess we can still wish everybody a uh, happy feast of punching Arians in the face. Um, the Feast of St. Nicholas is today, uh, one of the few days during Advent that we can be festive and, and give and receive gifts. Uh, although it's still a minor day, it's still subdued because we have the penitential season of Advent. Um, did you have anything? Did you get a chance to punch a heretic today, Ian? I did not. I I abstained, and uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna save that for after the way it looks. The way things are going, it's probably gonna be after the first of the year. But uh, <laughs> I'm 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 saving it up. Don't wanna you know? Don't wanna don't wanna jump the gun. Don't wanna go too early. So um, yeah. Well, you also need to pick your spots too. I mean, just just because you hit a, merit, a heretic in the mouth doesn't mean they're going to going to necessarily respond well to it. There there needs to be an opportunity for grace. And in the in the case of uh, Saint Nicholas um, punching Arius in the in the face, that was on the floor of the um, Council of Nicaea, and uh, miracles came from that. So unless you are confident that hitting somebody in the mouth is going to result in miracles, probably shouldn't do it. There's there's probably a better and more charitable way of going about things. Indeed. And speaking of acts of charity and um, being active in the world, um, I think, Anne, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you to introduce the topic for tonight, since I think you're probably a little more um, in tune with what's going to be said. Okay. So we have wonderful Nurse Claire with us tonight. And um, I was pushing to do this just super nerd myself and Nurse Claire because she's been keeping us broadly abreast of the work that she's been doing um, specifically, not only her her um, normal work work that that she's doing um, in the hospital where she is actually still working, but she's also doing some wonderful work for an advocacy group and um, and advocating and conversing with people who are who have loved ones or who are themselves um, in the hospital, and um, it's. It's it's so awful that I said we we've got to get this recorded. We've got to get this information out to people so that people understand the full gravity and the full horror of what's going on in these hospitals. And also for Nurse Claire herself, who is um, boy, you know, she's a morally sane human being, and watching this happen is is putting a tremendous load on her and I wanted to do this for her so for her own personal catharsis to get this off of her chest and also to you know so that good can come from this and so thousands and thousands and thousands of people will now hear this and hear her testimony and the information will spread so that it doesn't just seem like she's she's pounding her head against a wall um, that that good absolutely is going to come from this. So welcome, Nurse Claire. Thank you so much for taking time out. And I'm, I'm sure I know you're exhausted and you can only be with us for 45 minutes to an hour. But um, I'm so glad that we're doing this and that you're doing this. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to make this little public service announcement because really I, I don't know what else to call it. Um. So I want, I want to lay out to people exactly what's happening inside of hospitals. And then we can talk about um, how to stay out of the hospital if you are sick, how to take care of yourself at home and, and be your own advocate. Um, 
I think it's important for people to understand that what hospitals have always been, what you have always thought of them as being, what you've always perceived them to be, is not necessarily the case anymore. Um, I've had the opportunity to do some advocacy work um, with COVID, COVID patients and their families um, and be mentored by some incredible, incredible women who are just warriors. Um, and I have to tell you, it is shocking to my soul um, the things that are happening in the United States. I can't speak for other countries, but given how lockstep all the governments across the globe seem to be with the COVID tyranny um, and the fact that we're all living in one giant COVID union, um, I would be inclined to think that situations in other, other countries, situations in their hospitals are probably similar. Um, so I, I'm dealing primarily with critical care patients. There are some nurse advocates that are helping people who are sick at home or people who want to follow the prophylaxis protocols. But given my background in critical care and ventilator management, I've, I'm dealing with patients that are families that are in crisis and can you, but before, before we dive in, can you describe the advocacy program that you're involved in? And so people kind of have an idea or could even find you on this advocacy website. So the group that I'm working with right now is the American frontline nurses, and it's really in its infancy. Um, it's just gotten off the ground over the last few months. So um, they're, the nurses who were the founding members of this organization were really drowning in um, the number of cases, the number of people that are literally, literally crying out for help. Um, so they are trying to onboard other nurses to help advocate for these uh, for these families. So if you go to American Frontline, not Americas, AmericanFrontlineNurses.com, um, you will find uh, nurses listed on the website. There's also a nutritionist on there who helps people that are dealing with um, long haul COVID and a lot of the brain fog and the neurologic symptoms that have been associated with that. So if you, um, and, and they also do um, a, a Zoom conference on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it is free. Anyone with questions about COVID, about the protocols, um, anything like that, you just go to their website. There's a link to the Zoom conference there. You can sign in. And uh, I don't remember exactly what time it is. I think it's like 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, I might be mistaken on that. You'll have to check the website, but they, they have a, a Zoom call where they can help people calculate their dosage of ivermectin, um, source medications, um, answer questions about any of those things. But for people that need more focused um, attention dealing with complex situations, you can find an advocate on there and schedule time with them. Okay, so um, you're, you're on, and what's your handle on there? Can, can you say your handle? Nurse Claire. 
it's, it's, it's just nurse me. claire yeah nurse okay claire. yeah all right cool yep and also your t- your twitter handle your you're active and your Twitter handle is getting some traction. That's Nurse Claire 2, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. N- Nurse I, I Claire was... numeral 2. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was quite busy there today. I had I had a lot of um, DMs, a lot of personal messages on Twitter today with people asking uh, all sorts of, you know, ivermectin-related questions, math of dosage, things like that. So yeah. I'm glad to help. Anybody knows where to find me, I'm glad to help. Yep. So now well, this goes back to a topic too that dosing for ivermectin is just a straight linear algebra equation. Might it be helpful if somebody who knows computer code puts together a little calculator that they can plug into a website? <laughs> oh, I don't happen to know anyone like that. Do you? If only we knew some some sort yes. of a nerd. <laughs> I could reach out to my network and make it happen. Cool. Let's go ahead and make that happen. That's an excellent, excellent idea. That even occurred to me. I was going. We all. I need to update my ivermectin page because obviously, as time passes, they're realizing that the dosages can be way higher. I mean, we've kind of discussed this in the sense that we've talked about um, what the overdose is and how I know what it is, and I'm not even going to say because if you say it, then someone will do it. But the point of the the point is is that um, you can take a, a large quantity of ivermectin and not even get anywhere close to what the overdose is. Um, and they're finding out that both in terms of prophylaxis and in terms of the treatment, that it's the dosages are a lot higher. And it's it's just a matter of you know, basically, the first world is using ivermectin as an antiviral, really for the first time. So everybody's everybody's learning on the fly. And the other thing to remember is is that there is no longer any legitimate um, medical research being done anymore. Um, this is another thing that people just. I, I think people are going to really, really struggle to get this through their head. But there is no longer any impartial, genuine, hey, let's do actual science and figure out what can be done and what drugs do what, because everything is everything is in service to the, the COVID oligarchy, population reduction, they want people dead. So all of this science or, and these, these uh, platforms and and paradigms in which science was being done um, to, to one extent or another is pretty much for all intents and purposes finished. Um, n- no mainstream organization or university is permitted to do any research even on ivermectin or anything else um, that could that could be of any legitimate genuine help with any of this. So. It's just, it's amazing, but we're we're almost to the point where now, just lay people are are crowd crowdsourcing, open sourcing now pharmaceutical research. That that's how that's how far gone the entire situation is. I need to update my page, and yeah, I mean I'm up to I take ivermectin once a week now um, as a prophylactic, and. Um, I've and speaking of long haul COVID, um, I've I gave some ivermectin to someone who had who had it last year, and told me that they they've got the 
they just have the chronic fatigue and hair falling out and all kinds of weird things and just don't feel right. And so I gave them a bottle of ivermectin and told them, you know, take this every day. And sure enough, it took about two weeks and it straightened them out. And then the other thing, then I told them, I gave them a bottle of dandelion extract and said, okay, you don't have to be taking ivermectin every day now, but I've been told that this dandelion extract, that this has um, anti-spike protein and anti-long-haul COVID properties to it, go ahead and start taking this. And they reported, yeah, absolutely, it works. So we're all, it's just absolutely amazing, but we're doing this ad hoc learn-as-you-go um, quasi-medicine. And, you know, as civilization falls apart, it makes sense that there isn't going to be any any more legitimate medicine. There's going to be, we're going to revert to, you know, old wives' tales and old old spinster tales about what works and what doesn't work. So that's where we are. Now, Nurse Claire, tell us about... Um, Describe for the people, and this is, this is awful, but it, people need to hear this. If you can relate some of the horrors of what, what you're seeing and what's going on. Yeah, so I, would, I guess I would start out by saying the patients that I've encountered, the families that I've encountered have truly been scattered all over the United States. This is not a regional thing or... Um, a, a blue state, red state, it, it's none of that. This is all over the United States. I've talked to people in Wisconsin. I've talked to people in Ohio. I've talked to people in Florida, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, um, uh, Arizona, you know, all over the U.S. And the stories are consistent. Um, patients go into the hospital. Um, sometimes oftentimes they're given a blanket consent form to sign um and they don't then they're just consenting to treatment and they're not really giving informed consent no one's telling them what's happening they're being given remdesivir i've had families tell me that patients were given remdesivir even against their their wishes um families not always but usually mo most times are not permitted to visit due to the quote unquote COVID restrictions. Um, and so these patients are left in the hospitals by themselves with no one to advocate for them. And while they're awake, they are their own medical decision maker. But as soon as they're sedated, medicated in any way or put on a ventilator, um, they can no longer make decisions for themselves. And then the medical decisions default to their power of attorney, which typically is a spouse. And if there is no spouse, um, then it would be a parent or um, a child. And then it gets, you know, when there's multiple kids, it gets sticky. One has to be designated and blah, blah, blah. But um, those people are typically not included I mean, in a sane world, the medical power of attorney would be the medical decision maker when a person is incapacitated and cannot decide for themselves. However, these families are shuffled out of the hospital and locked out completely. Um, I had a woman whose husband was intubated last Sunday 
She never got any kind of update or spoke to any care provider on the phone until Thursday. So this oh man was, in, yeah, this man was in the hospital all week long. Who was, who was making decisions for him? Mm-hmm. Who was determining his care? Yep. And I mean, it's, it's shocking because we still have a conscience, you know, but yeah. This has been consistent. Um, I have I have a woman who's telling me that her husband did not want to be intubated. This guy is in his early 40s. He did not want to be put on a ventilator, but he was told, we'll put you on a ventilator whether you consent to it or not. And she mm-hmm. said he, w- he was finally so scared that he just threw up his arms and said, okay, then do it. And I... I haven't heard from this woman in a day or two. I'm not even sure if this man is still alive because the last time I spoke to her, he was so unstable. Um, Once they're intubated, I'm appalled at the way the ventilators are being managed. Um, I mean, I've been doing this many years. I know, I know a thing or two about ventilators and I'm, I'm looking at arterial blood gases and I'm looking at ventilator settings that these patients are on. They're under medicated. They're not paralyzed. Um, they're fighting the ventilators and then desaturating. Um, the, the, the medical negligence and medical mismanagement is a whole separate topic aside from the stripping of rights. I mean, um, and that's another thing we can talk about is the cares act that was signed at the beginning of all of this and put into place by, I'm sorry, but the Trump administration um, and how it totally took away, it suspended a, a patient's right to self-determination. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't suspend people's rights. I was about to ask, how how is this not like open season for every ambulance chasing lawyer to sue every hospital that takes, so it, is there some kind of, um, stealth immunity that's been granted to care providers and hospitals yep. that we don't know yes. about that they yep. can yes. make every decision yes. for us. Yes. And there's no liable liability. No one can be held liable. Um, because of the state's state of emergency due to all of this, you know, the pandemic, um, hospitals are indemnified. Physicians are indemnified. They can do whatever they want to you. And you really have very little legal recourse. Now, there are lawyers who are willing to tackle this and fight this, and I hope that they can turn back this tide, but um, it's really, I mean, in a sane world, in a, in a more sane time prior to the pandemic, I mean, there's always been medical tyranny here and there and things happening, but those were aberrancies and totally outside the norm. Um, now, this is widespread you know, normally a patient would have a right to determine their treatment. Um, The family would have a right to determine their treatment. We now are facing situations where people are being given drugs that they don't want, like remdesivir. People are being put on ventilators without consent. Um, And we know that that's a $39,000 upfront, you know, bonus basically well, there to the go. hospital it's the financial it's yeah so it's 39,000 to put someone on a ventilator which right. is why there are people completely ambulatory walking into hospitals 
and they just immediately start leaning on them about you need to go on a ventilator they're they're just they're like sharks in chum they're just trying to get everybody possible on a damn ventilator and then what's the financial incentive it's 20 percent up charge if they if they kill someone with remdesivir yes so let me just address your point about the intubation so they're pushing people to get onto ventilators and then once they're on ventilators they're pushing the families to take them off and let them die so it's a very and interesting sign, and sign do not resuscitate orders too right, right. and yeah. some of some patients are being made dnrs do not resuscitate without family permission that's another <laughs> thing that's happening um oh and and tell about the cpr too yes and there are multiple facilities um who have adopted a policy of not doing chest compressions not doing cpr on patients with covid because they will aerosolize the virus we can't do that so we're just so, gonna stand around and watch watch this person circle the drain yeah so in terms of financial incentives though what you mentioned about remdesivir if you i mean please fact check me on this because <laughs> you will find that i'm not it, it's it's so crazy i recognize that i sound like i don't know alex joe i mean I, what do i sound like nuts um you can fact check me you can go to the cms.gov website cms is the centers for medicare and medicaid services and they're the guys that hold the wallet they disperse funds they pay out um, medicare claims and therefore they're very powerful because they get to put the strings they they get to attach the strings to those funds but if you go to their website one of the more curious things you'll find is that they are paying um hospitals a 20 percent add-on for any medicare meaning old or medicaid meaning poor patient who gets five days of remdesivir. Now the 20% add-on is not 20% the cost of remdesivir. It is 20% of their total bill. Guys, so do you not see how completely criminal this is? They are massively, massively financially incentivizing a specific drug, which is a known toxin it's a known carcinogen it fries your kidneys so you and get your it liver. And, and your liver so yeah may, maybe you survive the coof but now you need um a liver and kidney transplant um and there the, the extent to which pushing this drug is being financially incentivized is is a it's a crime against humanity. There's no other word for it. This is people, people, this is a capital crime and people need, there, there needs to be Nuremberg 2.0 and people need to pay for this in the, um, in the ultimate sense. I want to jump into the question real quick. Uh, the, the beginning of gun control laws here in the United States started with the Black Panthers in California. There was a, a, whether it was justified or not, I don't know. I was never there. Don't, don't call me, you know, hateful whitey for this, but, uh, black people were getting beat up by cops. So what the black Panthers decided to do is have armed people, uh, that whenever somebody got pulled over by the cops, they would stand at a respectful, but closely observable and easy to see distance with a gun slung. 
they weren't pointing at the cops, basically saying, I'm watching you, Mr. Police Officer, and I'm going to make sure that nothing brutal happens here. And if you do, I'm going to come to the defense of somebody else, which is justified under the law uh, for, for armed use of force. Is there, I'm not suggesting guns in this case, but is there any way for somebody who wants to be um, a, a, an official witness to what's going on to even go into a hospital? Or is this considered to be off limits a, um, a, a, a civilian or, or, or somebody who wants to help those who can't help themselves is physically barred from even going into a hospital to help people? Yeah, you can't step foot in a hospital. You, you can't. You can't come into hospitals. Um, there are a few hospitals that still have visitation, but primarily most of them have banned or restricted, severely restricted visitors. So these patients inside of hospitals, they have no advocates, they have no witnesses. Um, I'm sure maybe people, at least my Twitter followers, probably saw a few weeks ago there was a dad at a um, Philadelphia hospital whose wife was in labor. And in order to accompany his wife to the delivery of his child, he had to consent to a PCR test. And he was, he refused. And so they, you know, he was a white guy and three big black um, security, hospital security officers threw the guy out, physically restrained him, threw him out. Um, that's, that's mild by comparison. Yeah. Um, I did talk to a wife recently whose husband is intubated in an ICU. I think if I remember correctly, I think this was a hospital somewhere in the state of New York. Um, she was told she could not visit, not at all. And I don't know how she did this, but she snuck into this hospital and she made it all the way up to the ICU and she made it to right outside of his room. And she took a picture of him with her cell phone and they, they, you know, apprehended her right at that point and threw her out of the hospital. So by and large, um, you're not getting in there. There are some situations where people are able to get into, into the hospitals and can visit their families, but that's not a guarantee because there's more often than not, they're basically under lockdown. I, the, the expression that I use to my family, and I think even to you guys on our, our group chat, I don't know if we're running prisons or we're running hospitals because at this point I can't tell the difference. Well, we've said it many times. The the hospitals now are the concentration camps, and yes. we're not we're not being cute, we're not being we're not being witty or snide or anything. No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. They they don't need to build concentration camps. They've got the facilities are already extant. They already have these fortresses, which are hospitals. And people, people will walk, it's like people are walking in the front gates of Auschwitz asking for a job. That's basically what the equivalent is. You know how the gates of Auschwitz had, had work will make you free in, in, the, in, the, in the wrought iron of the gate? It's, it's as if people today are seeing that and saying, well, oh, they might have jobs in there. Let's go in there. And they're walking in the front door voluntarily of the concentration camps. That's what hospitals are. Stay the hell out of the hospitals. 
They will cut you off from everyone you know. You will be completely alone. You will be completely isolated. And they are trying to kill you. They are straight up murdering people in there. And and it's it's across the board. Don't think that going to a Catholic hospital is any better oh, because no, no, no. it's not. I had, it had no. Dude, go ahead. Dude, they are some of the worst. Yeah, I've been yeah, shocked yeah. by this. Some of the Catholic ho- the Catholic hospitals are some of the worst offenders of this. And getting back to my point about, I don't know if they're prisons or hospitals. The other thing that's happening are these families. They're not only locked out, but they're trying to send belongings in. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. they're being confiscated and searched. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to tell you, I have been a nurse for almost twenty-five years. Um, I have never searched a patient's belongings. I've never searched people's belongings ever. Um, I've been a patient. I've had children. I've been in the hospital to have children. Um, I've been a patient in the hospital. I've never had my bag searched. I've never had my belongings searched ever. And guess what they're looking for? Guess what they're looking for? I can tell you what they're looking for. They're They're looking looking for for ivermectin. Ivermectin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. And I don't know if I should say this, but I guess I will. I've helped families get it in. Absolutely. Sneak it in. Yep. Um, because that's that's the other thing. If you go to the NIH, let me find it here so I know exactly, I can refer to it correctly. If you go to um, the NIH website, and they have um, NIH, the COVID-19 treatment guidelines, they have a table there, and it says antiviral agents that are approved or under evaluation for the treatment of COVID-19. So these are, you know, potential, these are NIH potential treatments for COVID. What's number one? Remdesivir. What's number Mm -hmm. two? Ivermectin. Ivermectin Ivermectin Mm -hmm. is on the NIH website. Yet when families request it, you would think, I mean, it, the response families get it's violent re- it's, and aggressive yeah it is and the only thing i can the only word i can use to describe the pushback is preternatural i mean it's it, demonic it's demonic yeah. yep. it's demonic yep it, just the word ivermectin i mean the eyes glaze over this the foaming at the mouth Yep. The, the pushback from these hospitals, I have never seen anything like this in my career. There is a federal right to try act, and every state also has some variation of the same thing in, in coded in state law. People have the right to try treatments. And if you're telling me this person here on a ventilator is dying, and then I should withdraw the ventilator and let them pass away. Why Why can't I give them ivermectin exactly. just as compassionate use, just yep. under the right to try? These people will come up. I have heard the most ludicrous things come out of the mouths of physicians when a family asks 
to use ivermectin that I can reach no other conclusion than to say this is absolutely diabolical. Yep. And Dr. Beep says the same thing. And we keep talking about this and this keeps coming up and I'll review it again and I'm going to write this up. This is on my to-do list for essays to write this week. But it, it bears saying again, how, the question keeps coming up. How is it possible that everybody is so completely um, blind, um, uh, ideologically, um, ideologically on, on the wrong side of this? How is it that every everyone, how is it that is so ubiquitous that this is happening basically all over the world? And the answer is, and this can't be said enough, and I'm dead serious, and this isn't a platitude or anything, most people today live in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. And that's just a fact. Almost everybody today in the post-Christian West does. Did you go to Mass on Sunday? It's a mortal sin to miss Mass on Sundays. So if you didn't go to Mass on Sunday, you're living in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. You ever use contraception? Ever? Even if you're married? Well, every time you've engaged in the marital embrace, even if you're completely validly married and you have used any form of contraception, that is a mortal sin. If you haven't confessed it, if you're not sorry, you are living in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. And don't even get me started on the ubiquitousness of pornography. Self-abuse is a mortal sin. Looking at pornography in any way is a mortal sin. Everybody, statistically, damn near in the world today, is using pornography and abusing themselves. Almost everyone is in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. The other important point to remember, and I think a lot of people tend to forget this, just because someone ages out of the 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 need shall we say to use contraception so you've got a married couple who are in their 60s for example contraception is no longer um a a, a practical pragmatic thing for them because the woman is postmenopausal she's not getting pregnant she's so they're not using contraception but they did use contraception for their entire you know their entire fecund fertile life um, if they haven't confessed that, it doesn't matter that they've aged out of the window in which they're currently using it. You don't age out of your sins. If you're, if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, and you use contraception when you were younger, and you haven't confessed it, and you're not sorry, then you're living in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. Now consider this. The pill came out in 1961, so a woman who was 20 years old in 1961 was born in 1941 and is thus 80 years old now. A person who was 25 in 1961 was born in 1936 and is thus, what, 85 years old today. A person who was 30 in 1961 was born in 1931 and is 90 years old today. So um, chemical contraception, the pill, the pill has been basically in existence 
within the lifetime of almost everyone alive right now today. So there are people running around in their 70s, certainly their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are guilty of the sin of contraception, specifically the use of the pill, who have never confessed this, who aren't sorry, and all of these people are running around. You have an entire society of people who, who are blinded. Their IQs aren't reduced, but they are morally blinded. And that is the answer as to how it is that this, this phenomenon is so widespread and all of these people around us are falling for this crap. And it's the most transparently obvious scam and it's been transparently obvious since the beginning. Late February of 2020, I called it. I said, this is, this is BS. This is absolute BS. This has been laid out for years. This is a complete scam. February of 2020, I was able to call this. Um, and I'm flattering myself. And if I'm not in the state of mortal sin, um, May God, may God preserve me in that. To, par to par paraphrase Joan of Arc, if I am in the state of mortal sin, may I get myself to confession um, as soon as humanly possible. But it seems to me that, yeah, that, that's how all this is happening and how everyone, including very intelligent people, are falling hook, line, and sinker and falling into this clearly Luciferian religion. The chickens are coming home to roost when you have an entire culture of people, statistically, who live in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. This is what happens. This is exactly what happens. And uh, it's, it's all in scripture. It's right there. Not, none of us should be surprised, although I do understand that living through it and watching it happen in real time around you with you know colleagues and people that you know falling for this um it's yeah it's it's hard to believe but intellectually the answer is there intellectually we we know what's going on and that's what it is well and this is a species of the state of culture affects what's going to happen or i should say the spiritual state of culture is going to affect what's going to happen legislatively and even in terms of what should be the normal state of affairs between human beings so that we ask the question, how can this possibly be happening right now? How can doctors be letting people die or, or making them die? This is the result of a decline in, in, in morals in, in, yeah. you, know, you, you look, you look back at Germany, how did the Nazis come to power? Might've had something to do with Lutheranism happening a few mm -hmm. hundred years before that. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was kind of a payoff. Why is this happening now in the United States? might have something to do with a few hundred babies being murdered through abortion and a, san and a sanctioning uh, illicit forms of <clears throat> not marriage. Um, I do yeah, ask, exactly. I do want to ask the question, though, um, with with regard to, to Nurse Claire, with regard to people coming into the hospitals, would it not be useful or is there not a supply of, I don't know, pick, pick the name, Jacob Goldfine, your, your, your lawyer medical... Uh, assistant saying and making it clear to hospital administration this person ex has demonstrated these uh, uh, requests and here are the rights under all of the necessary rules you have the right to 
uh, experimental or you have the right to, to alternative um I forget the exact wording you said. You have, you have the right to different. Um, well, you have the right to the try. Right to try the right. right to compassionate use. You have the right to self determination. You also have the right to informed consent. Well, so my question is: given the fact that I think that a large reason why the hospitals are doing what they're doing is out of a financial motivation, and certainly it makes sense to have advocates who are doctors and nurses. But is there also an advocacy front of lawyers who will get in the face of the ministers and say, yeah, that's cute that you're making $30,000 for every death that you can blame on COVID, but we're going to take you for eight figures if you do it. Is there anything like that to make them think I, twice? There are a few groups. There's, um, well, the American frontline doctors, they, they have a legal team. There's the Federalist Society. Um, there's also a lawyer. His name is Ralph Larigo. He's been very successful at suing multiple hospitals throughout the United States in various parts of the country for um, the use of ivermectin. So there are a few freedom fighters. So the situation isn't completely hopeless. Um, but, but again, how, how many lawyers? It's an uphill battle. How many lawyers today are not COVIDiots, though? You know, I mean, the the number the number is is minuscule because we all know we all know what Shakespeare said about lawyers. I mean, it's not it's not as if there's a a huge pool of um, morally sound and upright lawyers to even to even pick from. As as horrible as that sounds, and um, before I forget. Um, and just kind of talking about, you know, people, people are in, in the hospital and suddenly, suddenly a call comes through and the hospital says, oh, they, they, they were fine just a few hours ago, but they took a turn for the worse. One of the things that the hospitals are doing is that they're withholding food and water from people and people are, are literally just withering on the vine. And then they're saying, oh, they went downhill because of the coof. They didn't go downhill because of the coof. They went downhill because they haven't had any water in three days or something like that. I mean, that's. That's stunning that that's going on. How how can that possibly be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, the care the care is certainly not how I was trained. Um, there's patients that haven't been fed in days. Um, patients that have had their that had have not even had any hydration. Their water's been taken away. Um, one of the nurses I recall her saying like she had a guy that was on the same sheets for weeks. Like nobody even changed Ugh. his bed. Um, there's all kinds of horror stories. And I, I recognize that this isn't, there are some people who are going to message me on Twitter because I've already gotten those messages that, well, I was in the hospital and they were so nice to me and I was very well taken care of. And that absolutely happens. I'm not going to say that those things never happen, but what I'm saying is this is a very different era compared to even just two years ago or three years ago or five mm -hmm. years ago. And you have to be prepared um, for what's coming at you if you take yourself off to the hospital or you take a family member off to the hospital because um, a lot has changed and you may not be prepared for what for what's going to happen. Um, you're probably going to be tossed out. Your belongings are going to be searched. Um, and when you request um, any, uh, even even vitamins, families mm -hmm. are being told no. We don't give vitamins. Since when? Yeah. yeah. 
You don't give vitamins? What do you give? Yeah. What do you give? $5,000, $7,000 pharmaceuticals? That's probably, that's pretty much about it. Yep. Um, and don't dare, don't dare take anyone or step foot in a hospital yourself until you have been to confession. And if, if you, you're to the point where you can receive extreme unction, receive extreme unction before you go in because no, no priest is getting in there by and large. I mean, you're not going to be able to get um, the last sacraments. You are not going to be able to, yeah, you will not reliably have access to that. You may get a renegade night shift nurse who will sneak a priest in for you, um, or you may be in some little bubble of a hospital that actually hasn't locked clergy out, but by and large, you do not have reliable access to the sacraments. Right. I know of a case not too far, well, not too far-ish away from where I live, where somebody had to go to the hospital for something that was kind of serious. And yes, they made a pit stop by the by the the, the Catholic parish, got the went to confession, got last rites, got the apostolic blessing and everything, then went to the hospital because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, oh, you know, the other thing we need to talk about, I think a lot of people don't realize this. If you go into a hospital and you smell a rat and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get myself out of here and you're ambulatory and you can get out. Guys, if you walk out, your insurance is canceled. You will be billed in cash and they will come after you aggressively for the full retail cost of everything. And your insurance will tell you to go fly a kite because what's it called, Nurse Claire? You're outside of treatment? If you you sign out against medical advice, we call it AMA for short. If you sign Mm -hmm. out AMA, if you leave the hospital against medical advice, they will stick you with the bill. And of course, their, their medical advice now is that you basically get remdesivir, remdesivir, yeah. or use or your ambulatory walking, talking, and squawking, and they're trying to talk unintelligent people basically into putting themselves on ventilators and basically killing themselves. That's that is considered medical advice now. So if you if you realize that they're legit trying to kill you and you leave. Understand what's going to happen. Your insurance is going to screw you over completely. Yep. Yep. Correct. So what do we do? Well, you got to stay out of the hospital. If if you cannot breathe and your oxygen level is 70% um, and it's the last resort thing, but by and large, you have to work your tail off to stay out of the hospital. Um, and I have said this before, and I cannot say it strongly enough. You have to be prepared to treat yourself at home. You mm-hmm. have to source these medications. You need ivermectin. And one of the biggest mistakes that I'm seeing with ivermectin is people are not taking the correct dose. Even if it is, pers- there are physicians. There are physicians out there who will still prescribe ivermectin. They're dropping like flies because state boards of medicine are coming after them. So we're we're seeing fewer and fewer physicians who are willing to prescribe. However, even these guys, you're not prescribing enough, guys. Mm-hmm. Hello? 
0.6 milligrams per kilogram. You have to be taking the high enough dose. Um, and if you're and really sick and you haven't, you haven't started your ivermectin early, take it once and then 12 hours, take it again and then go down to just once a day. But you, it's safe and you've got to get on top of the virus. The ivermectin is going to reduce the viral replication and reduce the viral load. And if you don't get ahead of that and you don't get on top of that, you, you run the risk of getting very sick. Now, I don't want to scare people. Um, COVID is still the majority of the people develop mild symptoms, are just sick at home, do not have to be hospitalized, but there are a subset of people that do get sick and do get very sick. And early on, um, we call it the Wuhan strain, you know, the original strain of COVID, it was old people and people who were fat, who were morbidly yes. obese. Yes. It is now affecting pretty much everyone it's equal opportunity to be fair. So you have to be prepared to treat yourself at home and get on top of this thing. Because if you could just go to the hospital and get treated, yeah, you know, no one wants to be in the hospital. But believe me, with what's going on in hospitals now, you really don't want to be in the hospital. So I strongly suggest that you buy yourself a fingertip pulse oximeter to have in your home. I strongly suggest that you buy yourself a little device called an incentive spirometer, and that's going to help you practice deep breathing, which will keep the small distal airways in the lungs um, popped open. And mm. if you are starting to develop um, a COVID pneumonia, um, you need to sleep on your belly, spend as much time on your belly as you can in the prone position. You need to get the FLCCC protocols, as well as I would also suggest Dr. Zev Zelenko's protocols, print them out so that you're not rummaging around on the internet if you're feeling sick or asking a family member to do that for you. Print them out, set them aside, have everything on hand. I have beat the vitamin D horse to death, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna beat it some more. You've gotta be taking vitamin D and it has to be D3. You should also be supplementing magnesium. You should definitely be supplementing vitamin K2 in order to make that D3 work. Mm -hmm. Vitamin C, if you're sick, there's nothing wrong with taking it every hour until it gives you diarrhea. I'm sorry for being gross, but that is called bowel tolerance. And um, if you read the high dose vitamin C protocols, that is what they suggest that you take vitamin C every hour until you reach bowel tolerance, until it makes you have diarrhea, and then you cut it back and you start backing off the dose. It's also called um, a saturation dose, isn't it? Yes. And I, I, for that situation, I like the the powdered form, the ascorbic acid powder, um, mm -hmm. because it's much more readily absorbed. Vitamin D3, vitamin C, quercetin, this is key. Quercetin is key. But the one thing I'm going to tell you about quercetin is it will minimize the effectiveness of ivermectin. Therefore, um, take it at the opposite time of the day. So if you take your quercetin in the morning, ah, yeah. take your ivermectin at night. And sometimes ivermectin, it's a very safe drug, but the side effects of it 
do include a little bit of blurred vision and maybe some dizziness. So I would suggest taking ivermectin at bedtime. Um, but be careful of when you're taking the quercetin that you don't take them together. But that's key as well as zinc. And the, the quercetin is actually what's going to open up the channels on the cell to allow zinc to enter into the cell and stop the virus from replicating. So um, the zinc is very important, completely necessary, but the quercetin is like the zinc helper. So you really, you need both. Um, there's also a handy little um, supplement out there called black seed cumin oil or nigella uh, sativa. That is an excellent thing to have because it's a substitute for ivermectin. So if you can't get ivermectin, I beg black you. Black cumin seed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I beg you to get nigella sativa. And the dose for that, which here we are again, more math, is 40 milligrams per kilogram um which is a lot so if you buy the capsules you're going to have to take a ton of capsules in order to reach that dose and therefore i would just buy the oil and all of this can be found on the flccc website um turmeric also very helpful the nac um n-acetyl uh, cysteine which reduces inflammation that's key to have on hand and that's actually so effective that Amazon has removed it. <laughs> the yeah, FDA, yeah, yeah. the FDA has actively suppressed it, um, and it's getting pretty hard to find. Although I went to the grocery store a few weeks ago, and they had a ton of it on the shelf just at random there, so it, it's still out there. Um, there's a website called PureBulk.com that sells a lot of NAC. Um, as well as the ascorbic acid, the powdered vitamin C, you can find those there. And if you can find this stuff in the grocery store, buy it all up before the damn hoarders yep. get it. Yep. Well, learn learn from ivermectin. Learn from ivermectin. Remember when we first started talking about ivermectin? It's almost a year ago now. And you could walk into any farm supply store and buy as much as you want of the 1% injectable. And now you cannot get it. Um, some of us still can, but by and large, you can't walk into a farm supply store anymore almost and get it. Um, the other thing I want to mention, and I know you're experiencing this, I'm experiencing this in my email box, people are really, really struggling with doing the arithmetic of the dosages and the conversions. One of the things that people are struggling with the worst is figuring out how much they weigh in kilograms, which it's, it's, it's amazing, and I'm going to try not to be snippy in this, there's several ways that you can do this. First of all, look at your scale. Your a lot of, uh, especially the spring-loaded scales with the dial, they it already has kilograms as a secondary scale as a secondary scale there, and so you can literally just look down and instead of looking at the pounds, you can look at the kilograms. Okay, if you can't do that, figure out how much you weigh. Get on a scale, weigh, weigh yourself in pounds. Go to your baby television or to your computer and type into a search engine, any search engine. Let's say you weigh 190 pounds. How much is 190 pounds in kilograms? Hit enter. It will vomit the answer into your lap right there. 
I mean, this is the easiest thing in the world. You can do this on your baby television. You can do this on your computer. You don't even have to do any arithmetic. And if setting aside the fact that I was going to recruit somebody or maybe do it myself to, to write one of these calculators, take into it, you know, take, take it to heart what, what Ann and I think Nurse Claire said already is that you, you just need this to be roughly approximate. You don't have to be absolutely precise yeah. down to the, to the picoliter of how much you're going to take. If you're to use your example of 191 pounds, round it up to 200 and divide by two. Um, for those who don't know metric, a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. Yeah. So, so, so for somebody who's Half-ish. 191, yeah. For somebody yep. who's a, so for somebody who's not 191 pounds, just round it to 200, divide by two, and say you're 100 kilograms, and and do your math according to that. You've got to be. Horseshoes pro- and hand grenades just get close. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Horseshoes, hand grenades, and ivermectin. We yep. need to make that the third <laughs> item. Ah, there's our there's our show title right there. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but <laughs> you, you don't need to sweat about uh, what if what if I need to take three point six five milligrams of the one percent injectable. No, just take some and go. Be yeah. in be in the ballpark, and unless you're going ludicrous, absurd, stupid mode, mm-hmm. uh, go go. Go long if you if you're not go sure. Go high, yes. Round and, up, absolutely. Right. Yes. So so if you go to the farm supply store and you get the the um, the syringes that go to six milliliters, and you do the math and you say, well, I should be taking based on the current FLCC guidelines, uh, two point eight five three milliliters. Just take three. Just take three. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And you know, it's okay. You can do this. Um, like Super Nerd said. Divide by two, and and you're close enough uh, to get to get down to kilos, you know. Um, so you can do it. Don't freak out. It's okay. So let's talk about oxygen. Okay, <laughs> let's. Because some people are trapped in a hospital because they just need they're they're not super duper sick. They're not on a ventilator. They just need a couple liters of oxygen by nasal cannula. Mm-hmm. And they feel obligated to stay in the hospital for that. You can request home oxygen. And you can request to be discharged with home oxygen. And if the physician orders it, um, then your insurance will pay for it. There will be a home care company that will set, come to your house and set it up. And there you go. You can stay at home where you can self-medicate with ivermectin. Mm-hmm. You can keep an eye on your, your saturation level with your little $20 fingertip pulse oximeter that you bought from Amazon. And you can practice your breathing exercises with your incentive spirometer. And most likely, you will be fine. Yep. Um, if you cannot get someone to prescribe oxygen for you the alternative it's kind of pricey but you know if it was for me if it meant staying out of a hospital you can get on amazon and buy an oxygen concentrator an oxygen concentrator is about three hundred dollars um that's not bad that's not bad at all it's i mean i would pop the 300 bucks if it kept me out of the hospital Um, As long as you're on less than seven liters of oxygen, Um, if you're on more than that, then you you do need a prescription because you need a home care company to set you up with with something that will run probably up to 15 liters. But if you're on less than seven liters of oxygen, you can pop the 300 bucks on Amazon and have an oxygen concentrator delivered to your home where, again, you can stay home and medicate with your ivermectin um, and 
practice your deep breathing and keep yourself out of the hospital and off of a ventilator and be your own advocate. Wait, so for three hundred dollars, what what's the what's the um, liters per? What, what's the measure that that the oxygen gives? And the reason I ask is because when Tiny Princess was with us, we had one of those oxygen machines, concentrated machines. I call it the Darth Vader machine because it, it made yep. that noise. It's noisy, where it, right. it, it had that every every few mm-hmm. seconds, and um, I thought that machine cost several. Well, that it might have cost several thousand dollars to the medical durable yes. medical equipment company. Yes. But if you're saying that the machines through Amazon can do up to seven, I want to say this thing maxed out at three. Hmm. Well, she was a small baby. So but, it's possible that they gave you one that, that wouldn't blow her sinuses out by accident. True. But we, but it wasn't binary on off. You actually set the exact amount between there. But, mm-hmm. I'm, but my curiosity on this point is at $300, I'm, kind of wondering why not just get one of these and i'm not saying for everybody i'm saying for somebody who's like very prepper oriented why not just get one in advance i mean if if not for me then for somebody else who who may may get uh, tossed into the jail i mean into a hospital and the only thing preventing them from being discharged is is having an oxygen machine hey call me and you know make it known through your your local network of friends and 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 uh, like-minded people hey we have a pool of two or three of these oxygen machines if you end up in the hospital and the only thing stopping you from getting out is having an oxygen supply call me i mean at 300 bucks if this thing is is doing more than enough to be able to to get you discharged this to me this is a no-brainer i mean 300 bucks you you can't even get 500 rounds of of um, ar ammo for that True. Good point. I didn't mean to kill the conversation. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think these are just a few examples of things people can do to advocate for themselves to stay out of a hospital. Um, The other thing is inhaled steroids. The inhaled steroids really have um, made themselves out to be almost the silver bullet here in terms of preventing and minimizing the development of fibrotic tissue in the lungs, budesonide um, being the gold standard there. If you can find a prescription for budesonide nebulizer, you can buy nebulizer for $30 on Amazon. And you, um, you don't, you can use that nebulizer for other things too. There are people who nebulize um, colloidal silver. There are people who nebulize hydrogen peroxide. Um, Now it has to be food grade hydrogen peroxide because if it's the standard household stuff, there are preservatives in there that can irritate your airways and you have to dilute it. But there are all sorts of resources out there on the internet to help you do that and do that safely. And those things can be very effective even if you don't have COVID, but just have a a normal um, everyday rhinovirus. Uh, You just nebulize some hydrogen peroxide and and um it cleans your airways wow lots of good information here yeah you can you can make your and and i know you're a fan of this because we've talked about this before mouthwash oh yeah mouthwash listerine dude Mm -hmm. yeah like three dollar solution to help yourself stay healthy Mm mm-hmm um, and that actually f- funny is even on the, and we, we talked about this a long time long ago, time ago. Yep. And when people first is, started wearing masks, remember we were like, yep. guys get, get after Dirty, it, especially with, filthy. with and elderly people, oral hygiene, man, get, stay on it, stay after it. Yep. Go ahead. 
so if you find a um a mouthwash out there this flccc protocol they suggest now i can't even pronounce this um cetyl pyridinium chloride it should be in your mouthwash which would be an example scope act or crest um or listerine Mm -hmm. so just buy one of those brands and you're safe um you can or also save make, money and get it by the gallon at, at yes. uh, Walmart or, or Target or Sam's or Costco or Savers or whatever you've got in your neighborhood, uh, Food Lion, etc. There's mm-hmm. going to be a generic version of Listerine someplace. You don't have to spend your money on the brand name stuff here. Two times daily. Mm-hmm. That's it. Two times mm-hmm. daily. Um, you can make yourself a little nasal spray of 1% uh, Providone Iodine mixed with either sterile water that you boil and then cool off don't do not put boiling water up yeah your please nose. don't do that. Um, <laughs> or or you can buy some sterile um saline solution in, in the little pink um, plastic we call them saline bullets um, that are used for nebulizers you can make yourself a one percent povidone iodine nasal spray um, and you just put four to five drops in each nostril every four hours. These are simple, simple things. We've shut down the world yeah. over this virus. And we're giving people monoclonal antibodies that are derived from murdered children. And we're charging thousands of dollars. Um, people think that they need these really high-end sophisticated pharmaceuticals like the injectable jab thing that everybody's on their third dose of at this point. We don't need this. No. We don't need this. Because it, it never was it never was about health or a virus or anything nope. to start with. It was about control, nope. economic control, societal control. Green passes are about controlling uh, people and controlling money and the movement of money and the ability to spend money. That's what all of this is about and has ever been about. It is also, I am absolutely convinced about human population reduction. 1000% certain of that. These people have been talking about this nonstop for decades. We have to reduce the human population by 90%. Everything having to do with the quote unquote environment, environmentalism, all of that, it doesn't have anything to do with the earth. It What the agenda is there is human population reduction cast it as environmentalism but the ultimate goal is and the ultimate point that they're trying to make is that humans are bad and humans are terrible and humans are destroying the earth and there are too many humans and we have to reduce the human population it is a luciferian agenda they are never going to stop and the the blindness the moral blindness that we talked about What's happening is they've, and this started when they said put on a mask. And I was telling people in February and March of 2020, if you put that damn mask on now, it's over. This will never end because all that is is a test to see what you will do. Then, okay, everybody puts on the mask. Everybody starts wearing a burqa, a veil. Now it's everybody lock yourselves in your house. Oh, okay. As soon as everybody did that, the olig- the Soviet oligarchs knew. They knew that they could do anything they want. They had total control and that it'll get to the point where 
it, they'll, there will eventually be shoot on site orders for the uninjected people who dare step outside. They, there will be shoot on site orders. They're already trying to cast within the past week. You guys have seen this. Um, in the UK, I think they're trying to say that the massive, massive uptick in young people having heart attacks and strokes is due to post-traumatic stress disorder that these people have because they're so freaked out and stressed out because there are unvaccinated people running around. And so the unvaccinated or unjabbed, I should say, because it's not a vaccine, obviously, um, the unjabbed people are now being cast as th their very existence, their very existence, our very existence, is such a psychological burden on everyone else that we're causing other people to drop dead in the prime of their lives from heart attacks and strokes. Now, we all, of course, know that these heart attacks and strokes in young people are the toxicity of of the death injections but they're so they're they're marketing it so that every person who is killed by the death injection then feeds their power doesn't take away from their power but feeds their power because they say oh look that person had a heart attack or a stroke from the stress of just all of these unvaccinated people who are running around and and are, are making the world unsafe for everybody it's it's there are going to be camps um camps aside even from the be hospitals up, aside from the hospitals there will and there already are camps in australia we're seeing all that video come out in germany um, now too i believe they're basically locked it's, it's an effective full lockdown for anybody who's not vaccinated and i want to say austria, austria as well yeah. what is it yeah. with those germans yeah and there's just they're not guys the whole thing of about all of these you know decades and decades of germans being just paralyzed and crippled with shame and embarrassment over world war ii oh that's that's over they are they are sprinting headlong into into they are already doing things that would make the nazis absolutely blush with shame that would make mengele just stand aghast at what they're doing. Um, so there's there's no shaming, and, and this is very typical with anything Luciferian. You can't shame or embarrass or point out hypocrisy because they relish in it. They luxuriate in the fact that they can lie to your face, you can call them out on it, and you still will go along with what they say. Always remember, every ounce of power that all of these New World Order COVID oligarchs have and every ounce of power that the Bergoglian anti-church and anti-Pope Bergoglio himself has is because it is handed to them, voluntarily handed to them. Every bit of power they have is given to them by us. We have the power, it's just like Dorothy at the end of The Wizard of Oz, you know, it was always such a frustrating ending. Um, well, you had the power to go home all along. All you have to do is click your heels together three times, da, da, da. and you know, you would kind of sit there as a kid and say, well, why didn't you just tell her that, you know? But um, the, it, it is the lesson of right now, and it is the lesson of what we do to ourselves in our own lives. You have the power to fix this, and you had the power to fix this all along. 
all of this has been is a function of the people giving these people the power to the to destroy them voluntarily voluntarily everyone's going along with this so I couldn't dismount. help la- I couldn't help laughing at Kansas girl Anne making a reference to Wizard of Oz and saying we've got the power to end this at any time we want to. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> and, isn't and, it ironic? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to be respectful of Nurse Claire's time tonight because I know, I know we're we're yes. probably over the deadline here. Is yep. there is there anything you want to wrap up with? Something you haven't said yet that you you want to communicate? Get off our chest. We still have the the big ask the panel. Uh, question which we've got like 40 questions for. we've got like enough eight shows already we've kind of answered a couple of them already but is there anything you want to wrap up with you know ignoring all that stuff you've already seen about the questions that are coming are you talking to me yeah nurse glare oh. yes mm-hmm. um yeah i just want to tell everybody that the man who's been nominated to run the fda um this guy his name is robert Calif, he's a big advocate for um, regulating the supplement industry. Ha ha. I mean, I'm sure that's just a quinky dink. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that this is now on our radar, please, please waste no time in obtaining these things for yourselves, even um, aspirin. You know, the problem with the vaccines causing so many blood clots is because we're injecting people with spike protein. Um, And that's why we're seeing blood clots with a vaccine. But don't forget, people with COVID develop blood clots too because they're infected with spike protein. And so if you do get sick, when you start taking your ivermectin and you start taking all of these supplements, you also have to put in 325 milligrams of aspirin per day. Mm. So all, all of these things are easy. They're all um, available to you now. I, I recognize ivermectin might be a little bit more difficult to source, but you can source all of these things now. So make make it your business to do that immediately because mm-hmm. I, I really believe that they're going to all disappear probably sooner rather than later. And with the economic controls coming from green passes and, t- and the ability to buy and sell tied to vaccination status and social credit scores like that, even if there is aspirin available to you in a grocery store or in a pharmacy uh, physically there, it, it will get to the point where people like me wouldn't be able to buy it even if we wanted to because everything you buy and sell will be controlled. So it, it, it all goes to that concept of fungibility that I've mentioned before. It doesn't matter how much ba- how much money you'll have in your bank account. At some point, once they have total economic control, the objective is not to control necessarily how much money people have, but controlling how, when, and if you can spend that money. So you could be a multimillionaire who will starve to death because you won't be permitted to buy food, for example, or, or, any, or any of these completely pedestrian, um, over-the-counter drugs like aspirin or any of these vitamins and supplements. Everything we've talked about, with the exception of ivermectin, and I don't know if antibiotics were mentioned or not. I don't think they were, but antibiotics. Those are the only two things that are not available up till now, you know, in either a pharmacy, a grocery store, or a health food store. Everything else is completely wide open available, but that's going to go away. 
Yes. And we saw today that de Blasio in New York City is now requiring all private sector employees. Anybody that works in New York City now has to be vaccinated. It doesn't, that's not just government employees. Anyone who has a job in New York City has to now be vaccinated. So things well, are escalating. The, the, the tyranny is escalating. That's right. The test run on that happened over in Europe and Italy. Italy for, um, it's been a couple of months now, something like that, um, as it is illegal to hold a job in Italy without being injected. At private, public, anything. It's, it's illegal to work in Italy. And interestingly enough, I didn't know this, but the Italian constitution literally contains an amendment guaranteeing people the right to work. And it just, it's as if it isn't even there. It doesn't even matter. Yep. So it's not just canon law and U.S. financial markets and U.S. law in general. Even the Italians are ignoring their laws. But That's right. It's, to it's total lawlessness and total chaos. As Well, isn't that, haven't I read that somewhere about lawlessness and chaos and hmm? seems like a, it's in the Bible or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Germans are ignoring their laws too now, aren't they? Yep. Well, if the Germans oh, yeah. aren't following rules, we really have trouble. Yep. <laughs> yep. But, all right, shall we wrap it up, Super Nerd? Yeah, I think we should do an abbreviated wrap-up. Um, just just a, a general thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, if you have feedback, uh, e the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Feedback on anything you've heard or any ideas or suggestions you want to pass along, um, please pray for priests. We mentioned this earlier on that uh, if you have to go to the hospital, uh, see if you can make make a pit stop by by the the parish and mm -hmm. and, and get get your soul in order because you don't know when you're going to be able to see a priest again. It is better that you get your soul taken care of, even if you end even if that ends up costing your life. Than if you get into the hospital and you can't get that last part taken care of. That's right. Um, you know, check your local directories to see whether or not the priests are can get into the hospital. Some places they can, some places they can't. Uh, know this stuff before you have to know, because otherwise you may not find out. You may not be in a state to be able to find out otherwise. Um, be prepared prudently. I mentioned also that uh, we we have the our our, our uh, patron here of the podcast. She was quite well acquainted with uh, oxygen at home and pharmacology, and and uh, maybe she's a very appropriate um, saint to pray to in these times because hospitals, at least for her, were not dangerous. She had a condition where her life was always going to be short, but she interacted with hospital staff quite a bit, and mm -hmm. and um, she she's not somebody who was <laughs> she may not have known what was going on she didn't know when she was on earth but uh she she definitely was hooked to an oxygen to or an oxygen machine frequently she took lots of pharmacological pharmacological things to um from suppressing um uh seizures and all kinds of other things so in in, in this age where we're looking at all kinds of pharmacological terrorism for lack of a better word she's a very appropriate person to pray to um, both for intercession and guidance and wisdom. She's looking at Christ. She's looking at God face to face right now. She's looking at infinite wisdom. Ask yeah. her for help. She'll help you. Ask her for help. St. Tiny Princess, pray for us. Absolutely. And um, we'll thank the donors on, on the next um, big podcast. And um, I, 
I think we can skip the Matthew seventeen twenty for now, can yeah. we? Yeah, we All can right. skip it. Okay, on behalf of Nurse Claire, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Bye.